electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people, my friends, just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and explain. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. March came in like a bull, not a lion, but I'm wondering if it'll go out like a bull, too. I keep debating that because, once again, we seem to have a setup that lines up positively, where we aren't fighting the Fed or the tape. That's how we could have still one more good day with Dow Vegas 91 points. That's be game 0.81%. NASDAQ jumped 1.14%. We all have our idols, and one of mine was the legendary Marty Zweig. That's where I get the don't fight the Fed, don't fight the tape phrase. I wish you could have met this surprisingly humble man who taught a generation of people, including me, how to invest. He'd come on a show called Wall Street Week on Friday nights, spent some monumental investing with him. He used to scribble it all down on a notepad. For example, when he said don't fight the Fed, don't fight the tape, he meant that if the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates, you had to be very careful. And you also had to be very careful about corporate earnings because they would bring out a lot of selling if the earnings were weak. And then you'd have to be doubly careful if you're fighting the Fed and the tape. Right now, with our most recent data, we have enough economic weakness so we clearly aren't fighting the Fed. They have no reason to tighten after yesterday's personal consumption expenditures number. At the same time, after this past earnings season, we have enough positive firepower that the bulls aren't fighting the tape either. If anything, the tape's like a vast wave lifting all boats, even the leaky ones, like the financials, which could have been crushed by a horrendous report from New York Community Bank Corp, which disclosed an internal controls issue and announced a multi-billion dollar goodwill impairment change and a leadership change. A similar situation a year ago would have caused, well, let's just say a lot of banks would have gone down and we would have spent the whole weekend worried about who is next, right? Now, we should never let the New York Community Bank by Signature. Those were two ne'er-do-well banks, and it inherited Signature's problems on top of its own. Now, this bank stock was down more than 25% today, yet the tape was so strong that it had minimal impact on the rest of the market. That's incredible. The negativity about this one would have spread like wildfire. But you know what? 
it tells me that there's good news out there. And so what we have to ask ourselves is, could the good news continue? Why don't we just go to our game plan from next week, which has plenty of fodder to test our Marty's Wag-derived thesis. First, we know this has been a tech-led rally, correct? And it's been two-pronged. We have artificial intelligence and enterprise software. How about when you have a company like that does both? A company like GitLab, which offers a comprehensive AI platform for what's known as DevSecOps, or development, security, and operations, perhaps the hottest area in the entire software portion of the market. Come like this one is at the heart of the bull market. I think GitLab is going to crush it because it's in the sweet spot of the entire artificial intelligence revolution. Plus, they have the added advantage of being a very good company. Now, you may have heard late a tale today about the possibility of Boeing buying Air Spirit Aerosystems. That's a supplier to them. And while I believe that could happen, I don't think it'll happen Monday, but it could happen. It would be very good for Boeing to reclaim the, what I call the fuselage. I think there are still some kinks to be worked out. Nonetheless, I think it could occur some point this week. And if it does, the entire airline industry and you, the customer, would be great beneficiaries. For, look for that news to break. Next, we are at the extreme tail end of earnings season now, and that means on Tuesday morning we're going to get the results from Target, the department store chain that's had several an- uh, analysts raise their earnings estimates and price targets this week. Now, that's a very good sign, especially since the stock's beaten down. Currently supports a nearly 3% yield. That seems enticing to me. I like Walmart, Amazon, and Costco, which reports later in the week. And you know what? Target can put on a darn good show, too. Doesn't diminish the others. We also hear from another company that I've liked, and you know this, is CrowdStrike. We have them on all the time. Now, they, this industry has come under a lot of pressure. Right? It's a difficult moment for cybersecurity. I favored Palo Alto Networks, reported a disappointing quarter this time, now shifting its business model to more of a soup-to-nuts security platform. CrowdStrike's a tough competitor to Palo Alto in the cloud, so we need to see if they're suffering from some of the same problems that Palo Alto is. At the same time, Today, we got a good quarter from Zscaler, cybersecurity alpha focused on identity protection. It's not got clocked anyway. That doesn't bode well for CrowdStrike. But CEO George Kurtz has never missed a quarter. If I own this one for the travel trust, you know what I'd do? I'd hang in there because this industry is the hottest it's been in years. Wednesday brings more retail. Look at this, Foot Locker and Abercrombie. Whoa, contrast. Now, we own Foot Locker for the Chapel Trust. It hasn't been easy, but the stock's climbed out of a hole after a bad fall, and it's now more than doubled from its lows. We can't tell whether there's a turnaround at hand. Foot Locker blew up twice before turning. But I think the makeover's beginning to take hold. While I'm not pounding the table this one before the quarter, I'm not abandoning it either. People may realize it, but I, I, not realize it. This, this is something I'm going to tell you that is just astounding. See this, Abercrombie & Fitch? This has become a serial beat and raise outfit that has become maybe the best in the entire world of retail. The best. After a period of neglect, Abercrombie is now very, very well run. I think it's a roll. Get this. By the, it, this stock was at $29 only a year ago. It's at $131 now. And Joe, you know it's still cheap. It sells at just 21 times the extra earnings estimates. That's incredible. It's a reminder, by the way, that many other groups besides tech work in this market. It's not all mag whatever. Campbell Soup supports on Wednesday morning, and it must be so boring to keep filling questions about GLP-1 weight loss drugs. But after M- Melissa Lee's fascinating document, doc last night, how can you not worry about Campbell Soup earnings when they own a fair amount of junk food brands? You think Pepperidge Farm can put up consistently strong numbers? in a world where people no longer crave cookies the way they used to. Thursday, we hear from Kroger for the first time after his attempt to merge with Albertsons has been challenged by the Federal Trade Commission in a suit that I do fear the government will win. 
I say fear because in reality, there's not much overlap between these uh, supermarket chains. But the FTC is especially wary uh, toward this deal because Albertsons has a bad track record with this stuff. Well, I hope Kroger can win on the merits. They're going to have to play litigation roulette. And as anyone in the club knows, we don't like stories where courts play a big role in our future. Oh, and if you want the contrast, Costco reports Thursday night. I really like what I see from this perennial charitable trust name. This past weekend, we told CBC Investing Club members at our annual meeting that Costco is a winner, even as it has a new CEO, and will have a new CFO in two weeks when the legendary Rich Galanti officially steps down. That will be a sad event. This culture is strong, though. The team is great. What else? When Dell reported last night, we heard that anything related to the storage and processing of AI data is on fire. That's why we own Broadcom for the Travel Trust. And even after the stock's 7.6% rally, I bet it's got more room to run. Marvell Technology also has a role to play in the AI space, and I'm expanding that part of the bu- expecting that part of the business to do well, even as there are other parts of the semiconductor company that could be soft. So don't expect a blowout like I do expect from Broadcom. Finally, on Friday, we have the Friday employment report number, and uh, the bulls want to see a slight boost in unemployed roles get toward 4% from 3 and change while wages stay steady. If we get that, then once again, we'll have another week where we won't be fighting the Fed. But the bottom line, you don't want to get complacent here. And after this run, it's real easy to follow the complacency, isn't it? But then again, complacency, or let's just call it a, a willingness to let it ride, has been paying pretty well, hasn't it? Dell stock has been going strong, and the next thing you know, it reports a stunning quarter anyway. And today, its stock is up 32%. Forget not fighting the tape. Right now, we are absolutely loving it. House of pleasure. Let's go to KT in Massachusetts, please, KT. Hey, Jim, thank you for your hard work. We owe you big time. No, nah, you don't owe me anything. I'm just glad you watch. I mean it. You don't owe me anything. Thank you. You've helped me so much. You're a great teacher. Ah, thank you. That's what I Jimmy, aspire I to Jimmy, I own Morgan Stanley and Wells Fargo. One's at a 52-week high. The other's 15 points off. I'm thinking of taking one off the table. I'm thinking of selling Morgan Stanley and holding Wells. What do you think? Well, I like your attitude because you're selling a loser and, and you're not funding uh, a loser with Wells. Wells is the winner. We own Morgan Stanley. I am now willing to say that we are extremely disappointed, extremely disappointed in the performance of Morgan Stanley for the Travel Trust. It is a black mark on our performance, and it's driving me crazy. It does have a 4% yield that has kept me in there. I feel like a sucker. This is the time for that company to start delivering. Whew. All right, let's go to Walter, New Jersey, please. Walter. Bruha, Jam from the Garden State of New Jersey. Best well, you know, I love the Garden State. It's my home state. Best corn, tomatoes in the country. Uh, my question to you is, Jim, is I retired as an investment banker about four years ago, and I wanted to put my money, a lot, I put a lot in growth stocks and fangs, but I put a lot in fixed income, specifically uh, the, the telecoms. AT&T, I bought about four, four points higher than this. It was trading at 39 in about 2019. It's trading at 16 now. Right. My question is twofold. What, what took it down, and how, do we, how does it get back up? Okay, ATT uh, has been spending a fortune. It has to to maintain its network. It also made a couple of bad acquisitions. Then it did a demerger, and it doesn't have a good balance sheet, and it uh, cuts its dividend. Other than that, it's fine. 
I do like Verizon. I think that Verizon is doing better than I thought, and I do think that Hans Vestberg has started to really make a turn there. They got the cash flow. They've got a yield at 6.6 that I like. That's the one to buy. We're going to Sheila in Tennessee now. Sheila. Hi, Jim. So good to speak to you today. Oh, thank you, Sheila. What's going on? I want to thank you, first of all, for all your sage advice and for sharing all of that with us small investors. You make us better because you make us well-informed. Well, thank you. Remember, I was a small investor and still feel like that all the time, especially when all those billionaires come on and tell us we should be scared and don't want us to make any money. There's an interesting rap for you. Go ahead. Yes, it is interesting. And clearly, you proved all of them wrong. Um, I, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about a stock I've been investigating uh, because I've been looking for some historically strong dividend yielding stocks. And I'm wondering what you think of NEE, NextEra. N- I see you, NextEra, and I raise you with Sempra. We had Jeff Martin on last night. I thought he told a terrific story. Same yield, much better growth play, and I think incredibly well run. All right. You don't want to get complacent. And after this run, it really is easy to be complacent. But remember, we're not fighting the tape and we're not fighting the Fed. So we are pretty much liking what we see on Manbody tonight. MRI and radiology company Radnet gave very strong guidance in the latest quarter. And I'm going to tell you, we're sitting with down with Radnet CEO and get the full story. Then I'm turning my homework on one produce-related name. And all I can tell you is, holy guacamole, there's a lot to unpack there. And I'm getting a read on all things grocery and food wholesale, including your food inflation to supermarket with the CEO of Spartan Nash. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Cramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Cramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching 
learning engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. see us talk like Radnet, the diagnostic imaging company with 366 locations across seven states, soaring 17% in a single day. I want you to remember this was actually gettable. I know that because we had the CEO of Radnet on the show in October, and he told a very compelling story to the point where I recommended buying the darn thing. I hope you listen. Stock has now rallied from 29 to roughly 44 since then, including today's monster move. I mean, you'd think Radnet got a takeover bid or something, but in reality, they just reported terrific top and bottom line beat with a healthy full-year forecast. Clearly, Wall Street's just lapped this one up. So let's take a closer look with Dr. Howard Berger, who's the co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Radnet, to find out more. Dr. Berger, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Well, you know, Dr. Berger, when you were on, you traced out this wonderful thesis, basically, that uh, the payers would really prefer to shift scans out of hospitals to your kind of company. And I guess it's just accelerated because these numbers are nothing short of amazing. Well, I think it's a combination, Jim, of not only that, but just the overall growth in the imaging industry as people recognize the value that imaging plays in early detection and ultimately a better outcome in their health. So, you know, because we deal with elective procedures, the average you know, person is going to make their way into our office simply with growth that occurs as the population increases and as people age, they need more and more imaging. But the additional component now really has been added with the transition away from the higher cost uh, hospital settings, uh, as well as the new technology such like uh, PET-CT scanning for better diagnostic evaluation of uh, prostate cancer has allowed us to uh, accelerate this uh, very useful tools for earlier detection and precision detection. Well, I think a good example of that is that mammography now, mammogram now, rather than its breast screen service inside Walmart, that's where people can go, and that's a great place to, to see. People can get detection by going to Walmart. Well, we think uh, not only will that be more convenient for patients, but there is perhaps one-third of the female population that should be getting routine breast screening, and which are not for a variety of reasons, um, many of which is it's just inconvenient to find a place that's comfortable for them to go or a lack of education. So the program at Walmart in our first pilot project in Delaware uh, was really to try to tap into better education and convenience that will hopefully take the one third of the patients that should be getting screening exams uh, more accessible and more comfortable with it. Uh, That along with the fact that even though annual screening is advised, women are not often getting that. And so if you can do it at the place where they're just going on a regular basis to begin with, 
then it should provide us with a better opportunity to enhance the uh, breast cancer detection. I'm, I'm pleased with the early results of our pilot project in Delaware and happy to announce today that uh, I believe later this month we're going to be uh, implementing a pilot project in uh, Phoenix, Arizona also. Excellent. Now, you mentioned prostate. Uh, the standard of care have been to do a very invasive biopsy that we all know can cause infections and in some cases uh, lead to it, very difficult complications. But there is becoming a new standard of care that involves exactly what you mentioned, which is to use uh, contrast MRIs, not invasive, and just apparently just as good, if not better, at spotting cancer. Well, particularly if you uh, aid the radiologist with some of the artificial intelligence uh, that we've developed or that has been developed uh, and which we uh, own a company that does to be able to identify more accurately and make the radiologist more efficient and confident in their diagnosis. So while it doesn't always eliminate the biopsy, uh, which is necessary to get the pathology report and help better determine you know, what the next step should be, what we're really looking at is trying to avoid the biopsies on those patients that really didn't need it that might have been done blindly just because they had an elevated PSA. So the standard of care now is very rapidly becoming uh, a screening uh, and di or diagnostic prostate MRI scan. Well, I think that that's incredible because it's uh, some people felt that it was just wasteful too to the system. The system is uh, is increasingly too expensive. And one of the classic examples in terms of too expensive is we're about to have a new uh, Alzheimer's dementia drug. It's going to be approved, I believe, for Eli Lilly. We have one for Biogen. And without your screening, it's possible that everyone in the world would demand these, uh, this treatment. We can't do that. You're talking about four MRI screenings that maybe elucidates who should be eligible for these. Well, the, the MRI scan, Jim, actually is done after a patient has been determined appropriate to go on uh, a trial of the new drugs. The, the current one that is most talked about is Lakembi. But once you do the PET-CT scan or PET-MRI scan to determine whether or not uh, they're, they're a candidate for uh, the new drugs, then for follow-up treatment because of the side effects that these drugs can cause that uh, has changes occurring in the, in the brain that we use the MRI for detection to avoid complications where the, the cure might be worse than the disease. So the MRI volume as a result of more and more of these patients being uh, diagnosed as an eligible candidate for the drugs will have to be followed up by routine MRI scanning on a, on a pretty regular basis. Wow. I mean, that's just a look, no one wants to have to say that something's an annuity stream off of somebody's pain. But, I, sir, I think that you are in one of the best positions in trying to keep health care costs down and also getting the patient the kind of health they need, uh, trying to treatment they need. Dr. Howard Berger is the RADNET president and CEO. Dr. Berger, thank you for coming on the show. Jim, thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully the next time we can do it in person again. I hope so. Uh, what a stock. 
Yeah, it, Dr. Berger brought it to our attention, but it originally started, by the way, with one of our viewers who called in and suggested this might be a great idea. Our viewers are the smartest there is. Man Money's back here for the book. Coming up, his mission is simple. But how about Kramer's take on mission produce? Find out if this one's right for the taking next. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Back on February 5th, I got a call from Jim in Ohio about Mission Produce, the aptly tickered AVO because they're a global leader in the avocado business. I told Jim I had to do some homework, so go back because I hadn't even followed this one since it came public three and a half years ago. Now, there's a reason for that. Mission Produce, unfortunately, timed its IPO for a moment when avocado prices were getting pulverized. They had to slash the deal size and the offer price for the IPO eventually pricing at 12 bucks, and it just felt too difficult for me. Then in early 2021, Mission got caught up in the meme stock short squeeze mania. Remember that? And the stock spent most of that year in the high teens and low 20s. But once we got to 2022 and most 2023, the stock just fell apart. Sure, it ran from 11 to 17 in mid-2022 when avocado prices temporarily shot up to their highest level in decades. But last year, those prices, they came right back down which is why this is now a $10 and change stock. And that's after rebound. It was at 8 bucks in late November. Now that the stock has come down, maybe it's more speculating. Well, that's what you're thinking. Maybe Jim in Ohio is thinking that. Well, wait a second. After all, this is a story that I really do want to like. Uh, like everyone else, I love my guac from Chipotle. And our country's growing Hispanic population should help boost demand. The average Hispanic household spends 73% more on avocados than the average non-Hispanic household. Plus, millennials of all ethnicities can't get enough of this stuff. It's good for you. Put it on toast in the morning. A couple years ago, the Department of Agriculture came out with a report that showed American per capita consumption for avocados more than tripled in the 20 years from 2001 to 2021. What other food has had that kind of growth? So Mission Produce certainly feels like the kind of story that should work here. Why not own a company that gets 90% of its business from avocados, with the rest coming from blueberries and mangoes? Well, because investing in a particular fruit is incredibly risky. Produce is volatile, and avocados are the most volatile kind of produce around. Last year, Mission's total avocado volume sold was up 12%. Sounds good, right? But because of lower prices, their total revenue was down 9% year over year. See, we had the, lots of new supply coming online in Mexico, which is what crushed the price. You can see it in the most recent numbers. When Mission reported its most recent quarter just before Christmas, they were hurt by weather-related issues in Peru that caused serious quality issues. As a result, they had a significant revenue miss, even as their earnings still came in slightly better than expected. In response, the stock rallied just over 10% in the following two sessions because the quarter was good enough. See, Mission's numbers inflected positively in the period. While their sales were down 9% for the full 2023 fiscal year, they were actually up 8% in the fourth quarter. I'd love it if that marked the beginning of a true turn here, but that's not how this industry works. 
In fact, the analysts expect missions revenue to be down double digits over the next couple of quarters. I don't know if I want that. That said, there are only two analysts who cover the stock, and both have buy ratings. Even though they're expecting 2024 to be a down year for revenue, they're very optimistic about the earnings. However, even these analysts have buy ratings on the stocks. They only have price targets at 12 1250 respectively. Not huge gains. I mean, the stock's at $10.73 right now. Now, in terms of mission zone guidance, they only gave you a qualitative outlook, not actual numbers, but management talked about lower volume in the current quarter, along with pricing coming down on a sequential basis, even as these numbers should be up roughly 15% year over year. I like that. On the conference call, management talked about how pricing is finally stabilizing. Good, if not bottoming, even better. And they said that they've gotten past the quirky weather-related issues in Peru. But the company's re- reports again on March 11th, a little over a week from now. So you might want to wait for the results here before you make any decisions. To me, it's too dicey before that. As much as I want to like an avocado sto- story, it's very hard for me to bless something like the stock of Mission Produce. It only takes one bad weather event to mess up their entire year. The risk is just enormous, and the potential upside tends to be somewhat limited because there's only so much that people will pay for fruit. You know, Mission reminds me of the first stock I ever bought more than 40 years ago, and that was called American Agronomics, which was a company with some great orange groves in Florida. I did my homework. It looked like a great business. It was growing really well. Bought the stock for 10 bucks. But practically the next day, Florida got hit with its worst frost in history, and the stock almost immediately went to one. Believe me, you're taking your financial life into your hands when you bet on produce. Plus, when you try to figure out the valuation, it's hard to consider the stock at discount. Again, only two analysts cover this thing, but on average, they're expecting the company to earn 28 cents per share in the year. This means that this thing is selling for 38 times earnings? Ooh, geez, I don't know if they're ripe. Uh, admissions should be able to put up big earnings growth this year, but Wall Street's never going to give them much credit for that because money managers know that produce is an episodic business. Could Mission Produce still work out for you? Sure, if you could buy it and if everything goes well, I expect the stock to rally, maybe even give you a sizable win. But it's very hard to get a read on the future trajectory of one particular fruit. See, you're basically gambling here, and that's not a good investment strategy. Here's the bottom line. Mission Produce is the kind of stock that feels like it should work long term because everybody loves avocados. But this whole industry is hostage to short term supply issues. I think there's a good reason to believe that the stock can rally from here, especially since it's only up a couple bucks from its all time low. Ah, that's from late last year. But I also think Mission Produce is incredibly risky, just like any other play on pricing for a single type of fruit in general. I think there are much better places to put your money. At the very least, let's wait and see what the company has to say when they report earnings 10 days from now. Let's go to Pete in Georgia. Pete. Hey, Jim. Happy Friday. Yeah, same, Pete. Same. Two-part question for you on Walmart. Um, I watched your interview with the CEO about a week or 10 days ago. Thank you. Two-part question. The first part is uh, significant investments in e-commerce and technology. How do you think that will enable them to to compete with some of the online rivals while maintaining their sort of traditional brick-and-mortar strength. And the second part of the question is their stock performance has been relatively stable and slow growth compared to others. Do you think there's better opportunities within the retail sector? And if well, so, what are okay, some these are great questions. And I've got to tell you first, Pete, I like Costco more than Walmart on that front channel trust. But I think the world of Walmart, I think they do a great job. I think their e-commerce is, is incredibly strong. They're using the stores as warehouses. If you wanted to buy Walmart, I would tell you, absolutely. I just don't want to own Costco and Walmart. I want to be diversified. But believe me, put a gun to my head. It's a very hard, hard decision. I like the Costco. 
I like shopping in both places and I love my Costco membership. Let's go to Larry in Texas. Larry. Hello, Mr. Jim. Greetings from Houston, Texas. How you doing, uh, my friend? I love Houston. I've been there twice in the last year, and I just had the best time. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for all you're doing for taking my call. I'm, I've you. been trading options on Campbell Soup Company for a while, and I'm doing okay, but I'm considering taking a long position in the stock. I've got two questions, Mr. Jim. One, do you recommend the stock as a long-term play? And two... If I choose to make this move, do you recommend buying before their earnings release on March 6th or wait until after the print, my friend? Okay, it's a great question. Now, uh, and I'm glad you're switching to call to common from calls because they do have a three and a half percent yield. I think that uh, Mark Klaus needs to get this Rayos going, but I'm going to be very careful about this. I think the food stocks I have to be consistent are not great places to be because the GLP-1 issues and how they will be resolved. But Campbell's is a great name brand. We have a government that's very anti-merger, so I don't think they're going to get a bid anytime soon. I am concerned about GOP-1. Right, Mission Produce is incredibly risky. I think there are much better places to put your money. At the very least, let's wait and see what the company has to say when they report earnings in a couple of weeks. Much more money had, including my exclusive with Spartan Nash. I'm not done talking about produce yet. The grocery retailer and food wholesaler recently announced a new private brand, seeing inline sales. So should you add this stock to the pantry with a 4% yield? I've got the CEO. Then NVIDIA might be separating the winners from the losers when it comes to AI-adjacent companies. I'm explaining my thesis about the, some of the other winners. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Okay, we're less worried about the Fed's ability to beat inflation than we were a few days ago. But we're still not in the clear. We've made some progress with food inflation, though. And that brings me to Spartan Nash. That's the food wholesaler that supplies grocers, along with 144 retail stores of their own across the Midwest. These guys understand the industry. So what did it mean when the company reported a meaningful revenue miss a couple weeks ago, although they did post a better-than-expected adjusted EBITDA number? The stock got slammed in response. Spartan Nash it hasn't really bounced back yet. So could this be the buying opportunity, or are there more headwinds? Let's check in with Tony Sarsom. He's the president and CEO of Spartan Nash to get a better read of the situation. Mr. Sarsom, welcome back to Mad Money. Great to be here, Jim. All right, so we've got a number of issues to touch on, but first, I think we need a refresher from when you were on last, and then we'll go into food inflation and Spartan Nash's role, and I think you can keep it down. Uh, absolutely, I'd love to do that. So a little refresher. So we are a food solutions company. We deliver groceries and consulting services, so over 2,300 independent grocers, including these stores that we run ourselves. We also are proud to serve our U.S. military through the commissary system globally, giving our servicemen and women a little taste of home wherever they may be uh, stationed. So that's our, that's our broad business broadly. We'd like to talk a little bit about the independent grocers, by my also. Yes. This, this is such a big part of our business. So the independent grocers are, are, are essentially the hub of their communities. And those communities might be an urban setting where there would otherwise be a food desert. There's a small store. It could be in the suburbs. But the vast majority of them are located in small communities in rural parts of our country. And uh, those, those folks, again, they, so they service uh, those communities. There are 21,000 of them nationally, uh, and they are, they are absolutely the heartbeat of those communities. They do a great job servicing them, and it's great pride for us to be able to service them. 
Uh, very proud to say that, the, uh, that a couple of ours just got, uh, got a big award for the service they do. Uh, Teal's out of Minnesota and Tom's in Grand Rapids, uh, I'm sorry, in the Traverse City, Michigan, uh, recognized for their growth and innovation as well as the extraordinary service they provide to their communities. Well, then let me ask you, uh, Albertsons is trying to merge with Kroger. The FTC's worried about the anti-competitive nature of it. It sounds like it might be anti-competitive if those two companies merge into one. Well, that's certainly a concern for a great many people, including some of our customers. So we know that that's a big, a big chore for the FTC to sort that out. Right. Uh, we don't have a point of view on that, but we know that that's, that's something that is on the minds of not only our customers, but as well as some shoppers. Well, maybe you have a point of view about food inflation, because you used a phrase that bothered me, not by you, but, but, but the country, which you said, following the unprecedented food inflation spike of 2022. There are a lot of people who go to the supermarket when they hear that, and they're going to say, how can that get undone? <laughs> Um, it, it was it was a big spike, as you know, it was the biggest inflation year we've had in maybe 30 years or so. But this is troubling. It is troubling. So I think the um, uh, so let me tell you a little bit. Last time I was on your show, I talked to you a little bit about the fact that we had an unprecedented number of those requests coming in from food manufacturers. Had literally thousands of them coming every month. And what we did with that was we formulated our, what we call our merchandising transformation, got ourselves ready for the ability to field those and then also hold the manufacturers accountable. So we made sure those manufacturers could demonstrate that those are justified increases. And we also worked with them to make sure they could provide uh, some relief through promotion. So we knew the prices were going up. We want to give shoppers an opportunity to stretch their dollars a little bit more with those, those promotions. Additionally, uh, we, of course, invested in our private label brand, our, our family, which is our brand. And that gives a lot of relief to folks because it provides great products across a, very, a wide variety of, uh, of product bases and uh, it gives them at a very competitive price. Well, it's Finest Reserve, which is your newest private label brand. That's right. Does that come in underneath uh, other luxury brands, so to speak, so that that would be no trade down whatsoever? but be less expensive? Yes, that's exactly how that works. So you think about the, the macro trends that are going on in, in the environment right now. So value, indulgence, and convenience. Absolutely, so the, very on, clear cut. On the indulgence topic, people are more aggressively looking for great ways to indulge, have those great food experiences. And, uh, and they're also pressing us for value. They want to make sure they can get those at a competitive price. That confluence is where something like Finest Reserve plays really, really well. We have some great products coming out, and they're, they're very competitively priced. We have frozen pizzas we import from Italy. Uh, they're tremendous products. I and mean, they're priced very competitively with, with, with other pizzas in the frozen aisle. We have a uh, wine that we're introducing. So Finest Reserve uh, wine, we have a red and white. Uh, and one that you'll love, we have a luxury uh, portfolio of chocolates coming out as well. <laughs> <by> dessert, <so. laughs> Unfortunately, I love chocolate way too much. Now, I think some, there was some confusion. You, had a, an, you and Amazon parted ways uh, to some degree because they own, they own some warrants in you. I mean, there's not really that there's, there's nothing really. There's no bad blood that I can tell. If no, anything, no. it seems like that there's just a kind of a different direction. That yeah. people but people just thought that somehow that was just totally bad news for you. I don't really read it that way. No, I think Amazon is sort of rethinking what their model is yeah, going to be, right? So they, they actually they, they announced that they're going to take a pause on their stores. Uh, we're still supporting them. We're totally finding ways for them to actually find their strategy. So we're still engaged with them. We're still selling okay. them products. Um, and uh, as they figure out their strategy, you want to be there to be a great, uh, great well, supplier. Let me ask us, because those warrants, they can still exercise them. They may still take a firm common stock position someday in, in Spartan Nash. Yeah, I think the way, the way they're structured is that they, with a certain amount of business. So as they figure out their they, business... They have to certain benchmarks. And they start growing again, then that certainly can happen. Okay, that's important because I think that people just say, oh, well, I want to be tied in every day with them. I want a company that's got in control of its own destiny, doing very well, with a balance sheet that can support that 4% dividend. Any issues? Yeah. No issues. 
No issues whatsoever. And then finally, uh, you do, uh, I know a lot of companies say they're doing some AI. I think you're doing AI to keep your costs down and, and automate. It sounds like it's really saving money. Yeah, we got some great things going on there. So it's a great time right now for technology. There's so many great ideas out there to actually leverage and make your business stronger. So we have a couple of expressions that are working really well. One of them, we have, we have a new tool for actually helping us to model our labor, so make sure we have the right people at the right time in all of our stores and warehouses. Uh, we have, uh, we're uh, piloting drones in our warehouses that actually fly up and down the aisles and take a continuous inventory to make sure we know where everything is. I mean, is these aisles, well. I presume, are just like, these are giant facilities. They're giant facilities. Yeah, we have, we have in Grand Rapids, Michigan, we have a, about a million square feet under roof, for example, right? So... So it's tough to get around, right? And those drones are very helpful. The one that's actually worked, worked it's really fun, I think, is we have a robot in our store. Half our stores now we've, we've, we've expanded to with this robot called Tally, who actually does a continuous scan of all the shelves, can tell us whether the prices are right versus the, the, the tag, uh, can tell us whether we're out of stock. We'll send an immediate message to say, hey, we've got to go put something in aisle eight. We're out of, we're out of some kind of a beverage or something. Um, and it does that, does that work would take hours for one of our associates sure. to do, right? So what happens now is that because we have that, that work, is, it's done continuously, it's accurate, it gives a media message, and our associates think it's spend more time providing customer service and that customer-facing endeavor as opposed to doing that work. Oh, man, that's terrific. That's it's, not, it's obviously not for show. That's it's very right. meaningful. That's Tony Sarsom. He's the CEO of Spartan National. This is an inexpensive stock. Good yield, lots of opportunity. A lot of people feel the market's going way too high. How about something like this? I think it makes a lot of sense. Man, money's back in. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls. And the sky's the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. Kramer's moment. It's our number. Save same name. Stock said bye bye bye. It's also a different year of the call. Stock for you. Stand up with a minute. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Top of the lightning round. Clarence and Mike, let's start with Lewis in Minnesota. Lewis. Good afternoon, Jim. How are you? My question. Great. My question is on Global Net Lease. Thank you. Yes, you know, this is another one of those companies. They have commercial real estate. We don't really know what they own. They are, I never recommend these stocks. I've been right from day one on the show. I'm not recommending this one. Let's go to Roger in Minnesota. Roger. Booyah, Jim. Thank you so much for the tireless work you do. Oh, I sure try. Thank you. Thank you. Great, grateful for the great information and analysis, and thanks for entertaining us so much. Thank you. But my question is about a stock I started accumulating in my portfolio last year. It's been chugging along and I've been adding to it on some dips, and finally this week it started to spike. Two days ago it announced strong earnings, and analysts have started raising their price targets. The company's Magnite and GNI. I t- it's caught my eye, too. I've been a Trade Desk guy and a PubMatis guy. I think you've got an interesting stock here. I, it has run. It's an interesting stock. Let's go to Angie in California. Angie! Hi, Professor Freeman! Hi, good. Angie. How are you? Good, good. Um, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Looking for the weekend, Thanks. hanging out. Yep, what's going on? Oh, that's wonderful. Anyways, what brought me to? I have, first of all, thank you so much for enlightening this dark, um, tumultuous, capitalistic world. Anyways, I what brought me to calling you is my pandemic Roku investment stock that gets stuck in a house of pain and now classic car. You are in the house of pain, and I've got to tell you, Angie, I don't think the door's going to open and let you out anytime soon. I think that the forces of, of improvement 
are weighing on Roku. I don't want to be there. That Walmart deal, by the way, that was the kiss of death. The Vizio, that's what said, uh-uh, Roku. How about Mandy in Maryland? Mandy. Hi, Jim. Happy Hi, Mandy. Friday. Oh, same to you, Mandy. What's going on? Love your show. Shout out to your staff. Thank you for all you do. Thank for you. For helping us to make some money. Thank you. I was wondering about DFS. Is it a hold or a buy? Okay, this is a company that is a home builder, frankly, and I prefer Toll Brothers and then Lenar. But they're all doing well. You won't get hurt by this one. Okay, why don't we get a Peter in Oklahoma? Peter! Hey, Jimmy, thanks for taking my call. Of course, Peter. Great state of Oklahoma here. First, Jim, just want to say a quick thank you for all you do for the small retail investor like myself. Thank you. I love talking to individual investors. I love it. A lot of people feel like it's a waste of time. I think those people are wasting my time. How can I help you? Well, well, listen, uh, uh, you've been super helpful to me. But uh, my question tonight, uh, applied materials. It's been... Yo, you want to own Applied. You want to own Applied, and you want to own Lamb Research. They are both terrific. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by Charles Schwab. It takes a pretty special company to push its stock up almost $30, or 32% in a single day. Not in response to a takeover bid, but simply because of earnings. But Dell is a very special company, and Michael Dell is a pretty special CEO. If you follow tech in any way, shape, or form, you know Michael Dell. He was a PC pioneer, then a server pioneer, and a network pioneer, and a virtualization pioneer. He knows everyone. He's always willing to explain things to anyone who politely asks for his wisdom. Oh, and before I go into why his namesake stock shine today, is it okay to mention he's one of the most charitable people in the world doing good deeds without fanfare? The best way to give. Of course, this is a stock show, though, and what Michael did to reward shareholders was pretty simple. He took advantage of what Jensen Wong and NVIDIA was offering, putting the remarkable high-end chips to work and basically building artificial intelligence factories in a collaborative fashion with Jensen and his team of engineers. Then Dell takes those AI factories, just legions of data centers with the best servers, and offers them to the enterprise. Crucially, Dell's bringing AI to a client's data, not asking the client to bring the data to his AI at Dell. We know that NVIDIA's H100 chips aren't like iPhones. You don't just take them and store them somewhere. You need to install them in computers and then create AI systems on top of them. It takes a lot of work. It requires high bandwidth, memory, storage, and network. Dell's number one in storage, where it's bigger than numbers two, three, and four combined. That means they're the natural home for NVIDIA's highest-end chips, something that's allowed Dell to take a ton of market share. It's an amazingly close partnership, and one that, until today, Frankly, we weren't truly aware of two great CEOs, an incredible team, huge numbers. Who else is winning? How about Dell partner Broadcom, a charitable trust name that we bought heavily last summer when we read a ton of misleading stories about how Broadcom reported a shortfall when that was actually completely and utterly wrong. Several brokers pushed Broadcom stock today, and it finished up almost 99 points. Again, you need this stuff for the AI-capable data centers. Remember, as I said at the top of the show, Broadcom reports toward the end of next week. I like to see a good number, but up 99, well, that's going to make it tougher. Or how about AMD, which is working closely with computer companies to produce AI-infused PCs? AMD stock jumped more than 5% today. It's now up over 37% for the year. Next week should be a very big week for AMD because it'll be very involved with the new AI-infused personal 
personal computer that HP is going to talk about at its conference in Vegas. That's another stock I see headed higher, even after a remarkable run, because it has graphics cards that run well, I'd say some people say benchmark them as fast as NVIDIA's. When the book in this is, is written about this era, you'll find people who figured out how to use these generative AI chips from NVIDIA and people who totally dismiss the concept. I know firsthand many have chided this whole AI process, calling it hype or a craze or, of course, a giant bubble. So many big enterprises scoffed at NVIDIA. Some even dismissed the company as a mere gaming chip business with impossible aspirations to be something bigger and long-lasting. They simply refuse to accept that the scale of the opportunity here, well, maybe until it kicked them in the face and then they had to recognize it. Those who believed in AI are now doing incredibly well. Their companies are already putting up huge numbers, empirically, including this blowout quarter from Dell. And those who doubted AI and Jensen Wong and NVIDIA, they've already made themselves irrelevant. Frankly, I don't know how they can get back into the game. I like to say there are always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'd find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.